Welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope that this message from our senior leader, Brent Lieberzeit, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure that you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Uh, We've been talking about revival and uh, man, what an amazing subject. Kind of feel like God's preparing us for something big, that there is something that God has been, has been speaking to us about. I, I do believe that when we set a theme like, like for this year, revival, that there's a reason for it, that we kind of seek God on it. It's not just some kind of great idea that's just come from our own minds. We don't believe that. We do believe that God sets it for us. And the pronouncement of our theme feels like straight away something's changing in the atmosphere, God is up to something. And uh, I'm just believing even this morning that there's a revival coming for you today. Because I know that too often we, the, the word revival is often misused in such a way, and not just misused, but, but when we think of revival, we think of days gone by. And we think of some of the things that have happened in the past where there's been a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and I just believe that we can see that again today, and it's not necessarily like the past, but there's still revival that can happen today. And I don't know where you're at personally, of course, because I don't know all of your journeys right here, but I know that if you need a revival, you can get a revival. <laughs> if you need one, you can have it. And if you want one, you can have it. And I think that there is, uh, there is a... There is room, there is space uh, for people who are hungry and thirsty. And God will give you something to feed on and he'll give you something to drink. The Bible says that there is a river that flows from the throne of God and that there is living water uh, that Jesus wants to give us and that living water brings life because it's, li- it's living, it's life and hope and peace and joy. And if that's what you need today, take it. Just take it. He's not going to hold back. You ask him for the Holy Spirit, he'll give you the Holy Spirit. Okay, Luke chapter 2, verse, starting from verse 21. To th- we'll go through to 30. Luke chapter 2. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, who was named Jesus the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. About 40 days after Jesus was born, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves, or or two young pigeons. Verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. He caught sight of Jesus. He moved by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is on him and the Holy Spirit reveals to him that he's going to see Jesus before he dies. 
Now moved by the Spirit, he goes to the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon saw him and he he recognised, he saw this little baby was the Saviour of the world, Jesus Christ. And he took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. (laughs) I like that. I can now be dismissed. He hadn't seen Jesus perform one miracle. Lazarus had not yet risen from the dead. Uh, Bartimaeus had not been uh, made to see Uh, from his blindness. The sick had not yet been healed. Deaf ears had not yet been opened. Simeon had seen none of that. But now that I have caught sight of the Saviour, Lord, I can go now. I can depart this world. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for, uh, for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon was thanking God that he was able to see Jesus. Yeah. Amazing. Um, just as a, oh, let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I pray it just goes deep into our soul that we would be so inspired so challenged today to want to walk in a way that you would want us to walk, to fulfill the purpose, God, that you would have us fulfill, to be all, God, that you want us to be in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed by saying, Ameneth, Ameneth. I mean, I used to stay in this place in Fielding and uh, about two o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning and six o'clock in the morning, there'd be these trains that came past the house. Anyone ever been in fielding and know what I'm talking about? And it would happen just about every day. And it was just crazy. And I'd wake up to it. It's frightening. A train coming into your house is frightening. And so I said to the owner, I said, man, wow, that was pretty uh, pretty full on uh, the other last night. And uh, I said, well, why is that? Oh, man, those trains. What trains? (laughs) I said, you've got to be kidding me. Of course, they know that there's trains there, but do they warn you? No, they do not. And uh, and so it's interesting how they were just saying, well, we've just got so used to them. We don't even even hear them anymore. They're not even in... I mean, they shake the house. It's that. It's right. The tracks are right at the back of the house, shaking the house. We don't even feel it. We don't even um, remember that it's there. It's, we've just lived here so long, we've gotten used to the train. I, I was thinking about that the other day, and I, my personal belief is, in, is that I think in our part of the world, we've been so blessed by the presence and the power of God. You know, we can, go, we can come to church freely. We can go to, is it Manor Bookstore still? Yeah. We can... Uh, pick up a Bible, we can pick up an iPhone, we can, you know, we can, like, like, we can read any translation we want now. Did you know, for many hundreds of years, it used to be just the King James Version with the these, thous, and thys. Now we've got 
everything under the sun. Like it's so accessible. Uh, every translation, every language that uh, we can turn on Christian TV, Christian radio, iPhone, or whatever. We have so many options available to us. And could it be that we have lived in this neighborhood of blessing for so long that when God's train wants to turn up, (laughs) when He wants to show up in power, that we have become so used to it, we don't even recognize the blessing anymore, that we have become desensitized to God's presence among us. Personally, I thought the worship was awesome this morning. But many of us, I kind of feel like at times we get just so familiar. It's such a nice sound. It's great. And we wouldn't really, we would, no, we would notice it if it was horrible, right? But too often we get so familiar with just what, what's happening and what's going on, we actually can miss or we be, can become desensitized to what God is wanting to do among us. People get ready. Do you know that song? There's a train coming, picking up passengers from. Nice. (laughs) There it is. So Luke writes in this gospel, um, the gospel of Luke, the experiences, he writes story after story after story of experiences that people had when they came into connection with Christ. The Gospel of Luke gives us a picture and a desire and proof that we, that we can experience Jesus. Not just hear about Jesus, but actually experience Him. Luke was saying we should hunger for Him, not just for a knowledge of who Jesus is, but we need to have a hunger of actually seeing Him with our own eyes, to hear His voice with our own ears. You know, the same God who parted the Red Sea in the Old Testament, who raised Lazarus from the dead in the New Testament, the same God that did those things. You know, we don't want to just, well, I don't. I don't want to just hear of it in the lives of others, of what God's been doing in others. We want to get in line. We want to queue up, right? And encounter God for ourselves. Anyone with me on that? Luke writes that encounters, uh, he writes about the encounters to whet our appetite and to, uh, particularly in regard to ourselves having an encounter with God, you can have an encounter with God. I mean, we're wasting our time if we're just applauding God for what He did yesterday. And I know He wants to work in your life today. He wants to work in your marriage. He wants to work in your workplace. He wants to work in your family. He wants to do a work in your children. He wants to work. He's not a silent partner. He's active. And He wants to be active in your life. Revival. We've got to get hungry again. So Luke writes about these encounters with Jesus in a time when Israel was in incredible depravity. There were many, many oppressors and they were living in a place of destruction. Luke writes to them in this time when their nation is in trouble. Probably a little bit similar to our nation that's maybe in a little bit of trouble. We're living in a time of moral and social decay, true. The more we see God put to the fringes of society, the more we will see chaos and disorder in our nation, by the way. Luke is also writing to not just those who have national concern or national trouble, but to those who also have personal trouble. 
having such a struggle and turmoil in their own life. Sorry. <clears throat> They'll be waiting for the prophecies of old uh, to take place. The prophecies of old that there would be a Messiah, a Saviour who would come and rescue them from all that they had been experiencing nationally, but also experiencing personally. And I'm not, I'm not here to talk about what's happening in Parliament House. Or, uh, I'm here to talk about what's happening in your own house. Because the trouble that you might be experiencing in your marriage, the trouble in your own home with your own children, or your own finances, or your job, or your health, you, like the children of Israel, have been waiting for a hero. Somebody who can come into the dry places of your life and bring fresh, living hope and living water to quench your thirst again. So the children of Israel need an encounter with the Messiah, with Jesus. So 400 years of praying, 400 years of believing, 400 years in that time of silence, Jesus finally arrives on the scene. Hope has been fulfilled. Unfortunately, why does there always have to be an unfortunately? Unfortunately, He does not come in the way that they supposed He was going to come. They thought He'd be riding on a white horse. They thought that He would come in a chariot from heaven. They thought that there would be grandeur, that there would be a blast of trumpets and saxophones and drums and electric guitars especially back in those days. He's not coming in a power and a vengeance and an authority that they would have thought he would have come in or come by. He came as a little baby. All that power, all of that authority, all packaged up in a human body and a very small one at that. This is not what they wanted. It was not the expectation that they had built up in their head. So he was not in the package that they had pictured in their minds. He didn't come in the package that they had prayed for because he did not come in the package that they expected. Therefore, they did not recognise him. So here's Jesus as a baby being carried into the temple. Many people are in the temple who are there praying for a Messiah, but do not recognise that they are in the presence of the Messiah. Remember, these people aren't just anywhere, they are actually in the temple. And yet they still don't recognise the presence of Jesus. You can be in church and not know Jesus. You can be in a Bible study and never have an encounter with Jesus. You can be reading the Word, you can be praying, you can be doing all the religious things day after day, thinking that you're doing the right thing and yet still missing the presence and the power of God. All these people were in the presence of Jesus and yet they did not know Him when He came. Because often when the Lord comes, to minister to you and I, to speak into our life circumstances, He will come in a way that is not expected. Why? The Bible says His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. 
they are much higher. And what we want to do is we want to dumb him down so that his ways match our ways and his thoughts match our thoughts. We want him to answer our prayers the way that we prayed them. We want the, the way that we've thought of the solutions of how God could answer our prayers and even in our own minds. But sometimes we pray for growth and God brings rain. Sometimes we'll pray for an oak tree or pray for oak trees and God answers with an acorn. So God wants to give you solutions today. And He wants to bring divine strategy today for the things that are happening in your life, for the things that are going on in your job, things that are going on in your finances. He wants to bring solutions for the struggles that you are facing. But when He answers and it comes in the package that you least expected, will you miss it? Because you want your way, not His way. So Jesus, He comes into the temple into a pool of religious people and they do not recognise the presence of God is with them. Luke wants us to know, he's so detailed, Luke. And there's so many things in the scripture that he wants us to know that Mary and Joseph, for a start, are coming to the temple for the ceremonial washing of the firstborn. They would come to Jerusalem at such a time to present their newborn to the Lord. Picture this, the Lord is being presented to the Lord. Have you ever thought of that? And they come and Luke writes and tells us exactly what they have with them. They had with them two turtle doves and a partridge. And a, oh, sorry. They had two turtle doves uh, uh, for the sacrifice. Now we know from Leviticus, from the book of Leviticus, when the law was written back in those days, we know that they needed two animals. Now one was meant to be a turtle dove and the other was meant to be a lamb. Mary and Joseph, they only had two turtle doves. Now, why is it that the request is meant to be one turtle dove and one lamb for the sacrifice, and yet they bring two turtle doves? Luke is very detailed in this. <laughs> okay. Leviticus chapter 12, it gives a disclaimer. There's a caveat for why someone would not bring a lamb to the sacrifice. If someone could not afford a lamb, if their financial resources were such that they couldn't get or source a lamb, then there would be an exception made for them. They could bring two turtle doves or two pigeons. So what Luke is trying to make a point here is that they were unable to afford to pay for a lamb. I wonder how many people who were in that temple at that day looked at that couple who could not afford the lamb and turned their noses up at them. I wonder how many people ignored the fact that this baby was the son of God because they simply ignored the poor people who were carrying him. I wonder who was in the room and you felt excluded in the room here this morning and you felt excluded or ignored because you don't feel like you're good enough. You're, you, you feel like you're looked upon as unequal or as lesser than. Maybe you feel you lack in areas of your life, you lack relationally, or you find you are insufficient in some way in your life and you have been ignored or you have been ostracised. Let me tell you this. 
You don't have to have your own lamb when you can have the lamb of God. They still had to bring two turtle doves, but they had the lamb of God. They were carrying. They were carrying in their arms the lamb of God, the saviour of the world. And yet none of them recognised it. The lamb is often best experienced probably with those who have insufficient funds. Those who feel ostracised, those who feel ignored. In fact, I think it is our affluence that keeps us from actually having an encounter with the living God because you can go and buy your blessing. You don't need the blessor in your life. By the way, if you think you're poor in this country, you are very wealthy compared to other people in other countries. We are so knowing where our next meal is gonna come from. We can choose from a closet full of clothes. We might have financial struggles, everything may not be perfect, but we still have our daily needs met. And it is sometimes in our affluence that our arms are so full of the lambs that we have bought for ourselves that we don't have room for a relationship with the Lamb of God. Mary and Joseph did not have what everybody had, but they had what everybody else didn't have. (laughs) Should I say that again? Because that was awesome. (laughs) Mary and Joseph did not have what everybody had, but they had what everybody else didn't have. Yeah, come on. Let's give God some praise. So they came into the building, this this temple. Nobody recognises that Jesus has arrived except one person. Luke writes at the top of the passage and says, he says this, and I think it's in the King James Version. It says, behold, behold. I love that. Uh, John the Baptist said, behold, at one point when he saw Jesus coming towards him. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And here's Luke trying to get some of John the Baptist kind of grunt. And in regards to Simeon, he says, Behold, there was this man named Simeon. In other words, this is really important. Don't skip this as you're reading through the book of Luke. Luke is saying, pay attention because there's somebody here I want you to meet. Behold, there was a man named Simeon and when no one else recognised the presence of God, when God came near, there was one guy who did. There's a man named Simeon who's righteous and he's devout and he's looking for the consolation of Israel and his eyes are open. He's looking and he's peeling across the horizon, looking for the Saviour of the world, looking for this Messiah. He'd been waiting for this encounter with the Lord. Waiting for Jesus in whatever form He was to come. The characteristic of His life that I believed opened up Simeon's eyes to catch sight of God, that will open up our eyes to catch sight of God. He says at the bottom of verse 25, he says, the Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Luke says, Simeon's eyes caught the sight of God because God's Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit is the greatest gift you will ever receive. The moment you receive Jesus, you receive in that moment the greatest gift 
the Holy Spirit. He is not a wind, He is not a fire, nor is He a dove. They are simply symbols by which He is symbolised by. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. Not third because He is least, but third because He is the last fulfilment of the promised one. And all the fullness, all the authority, all the power, all the grandeur in God the Father is in the person of the Holy Spirit, which means when you make Jesus Christ your Lord and Saviour, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. That means that all that power, all that authority, all that glory, all that grandeur, the greatness of God now lives on the inside of you. And Ephesians 1 says, the moment you believe, you receive the Holy Spirit. The moment you believe, you receive the Holy Spirit. You are not waiting on the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit right now. You did not receive the Holy Spirit in instalment plans. You can't give away a person in parts. All the Holy Spirit you're ever gonna need, you got the moment you got saved. Now you've gotta be filled with God's Spirit. Now you've gotta be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do I stay filled with the Holy Spirit? Do not be drunk with wine, but be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. How do I stay filled with the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of God is in you, but now God's Spirit is wanting to be on you, not just in you, but also on you. The Spirit of God came upon David and he killed Goliath. The Spirit of God came upon Samson. Look what Samson did. The Spirit of God came upon, came upon, came upon. The Spirit of God is in you, but now He's got to be on you. Show me. Brain, when I gave my life to Jesus, Holy Spirit came in, inside of me. Absolutely, 100%. But now show me that He's on you. You can be in sin and the Holy Spirit being in you. You can be walking in darkness and the Holy Spirit being in you. But is the Holy Spirit on you? Prove it. Show me. How are you displaying the works of the Holy Spirit in your life? How is He being shown? How is He being realised? How is He being revealed through your life? The Holy Spirit was on him. He's able to see Jesus. You want an encounter with God? There's something you're gonna have to do. I know it's not about the doing because we're under the grace of God. But I gotta tell you something. There's a massive key to revival. There are six signs to revival. And the first two are this. Number one, repentance. And number two, getting closer to God. Moving closer to Him. Repentance and moving closer to Him. So I wanna talk just for a brief moment. I know we're running out of time, but this is really important. You want an encounter with God. You want God to do a work in your life. Like seriously, I was talking to somebody last week in uh, another city that I was in, in Wellington. And, uh, oh look, I'm not even gonna share that. That's confidential. I didn't ask if I could share that. So I won't share that. Um, Holiness. Walking holy. Luke says that Simeon did not just have the Spirit in him, he says that the Spirit was upon him. And I want to live a life that invites the presence of God's Spirit on me. 
I know He's in me, but I want the kind of life that shows He's on me. I'm asking for His grace. I'm asking for His favour. I'm asking for His anointing. I'm asking for the presence of God upon my life. I want to live in such a surrender for Him that not only is He in me, but He's on me. In other words, I want the evidence of Him on my life. When I do something or when I say something or when I pray over something, I want to walk away and people know God's presence was here. And if you want to mother or father your kids in such a way that you leave an imprint of God on those kids, the Spirit can't be just in you. He's got to be on you. If you want to be the wife or husband God wants you to be, or even the single man or woman God wants you to be, or if you want to be the employer or the employee that God's called you to be, if you want to walk with the purpose in the way that God wants you to walk, then His Spirit has got to be on you, not just in you. We are marked by the presence of God because the Spirit isn't just in us, He is on us. So marked by God that people say there is a difference about you, an intangible that is that is on your life. It's unexplainable. You're employer will look at you and give you the promotion that that you are so desiring, not because your resume says you are the most qualified, but because there is something about you they can't put a finger on. It's called favour. The favour is what opens doors no man can shut. Favour puts you in positions you know you weren't qualified for. God's Spirit on your life can place you in positions and places you could never have dreamed of. Okay. We all want that. Well, there's one thing that attracts the presence of God and that's holiness. I implore you, brothers and sisters, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling by which you have been called. If I come into this room and we celebrate till we are blue in the face and we wave our hand and we read the Scriptures and we worship with everything, but we walk out of here and live in a way that is incongruent with everything we've heard even here today. If we do not choose to walk in a way that honours God, we are wasting the time that we spent here. And with our generation, with social media, we're so hooked up on impressing people than we are in honouring God. We are making sure that we are perfectly lit (laughs) when we take those photos and send via social media, then we are being lit by God Himself. Because of, our, because of our arrogance and our pride, we are more about receiving the likes of people than we are about the applause of heaven. And when you get to heaven, God will not be bothered about how many Instagram followers you had. He will not wonder how many people liked my message in cyberspace or wherever. He'll be concerned, and I guess, this will be his question. Do you have a relationship with my son, Jesus, the Lamb of God? And we need the eyes of Simeon so we don't miss Jesus when he comes. Those moments when he is trying to make himself known to us, the thing that opens up our eyes is God's Spirit on us and God's Spirit is on us because of our decision to walk in holiness. God's Spirit is on you because of your decision to walk in holiness. We've got to learn, or we've first of all got to decide to learn to, to live holy and then to learn to live holy. I implore you by the mercies of God to lay aside every sin that is keeping you entangled so that you can run with endurance the race set before you. Paul said that. Any relationship that entangles you. Look, getting heavy duty now. It's been really light right up to this point. But we'll just get into the meaty stuff, all right? Paul says, stop drinking the milk. Get on to the meat. Here's the meat. Any relationship 
any relationship that entangles you, you've got to get rid of. Any addiction, any habit, any lifestyle choice that is keeping you from being free and walking in victory in Jesus' name, let it go by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let Him rest on your life. Going to church is great, but it's not enough. Connect group is great, but it will never be enough. If you want God's presence on you, making you distinct and different from the people around you, then you'll have to learn to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Be holy. It's not perfection. It's learning to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit within you so that you do not give way to all the desires of the flesh. What it means is that you have not chosen as a lifestyle or attitude or action that you know is pleasing to God. Walk away from everything that is keeping you from having the greatest blessing that the world has ever known on your life. And that is God's presence, setting you apart for His purposes and with His power evident in your life. So those of you in this room who feel chained up, who feel bound up and not free, you've tried in your own power, but you know you're not free. I believe, I believe fully, I've seen it time after time after time where the power of God comes an encounter with God takes place and those chains broken off your life. Freedom comes. And you can decide to live holy so that you can have God's favour on you just like Simeon did. And our eyes can be open because we wanna see God. We wanna hear His voice. We wanna have an experience and an encounter with Him. If you know you're not walking in holiness, you know there is an area of your life, whether an attitude or an action, you've heard God ask you to forgive but you just keep digging your heels in and saying no and refuse to forgive or in your actions where you have participated in something, where you've engaged in something and you've dug your heels in and you've ignored those little proddings of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Hey, it's not right. It's not my best for your life. And you've ignored it. And you know you're not living holy before God and you want to get that right today so that you can honour God and invite the favour of God on your life again. If you need holiness as a decisive factor today, today, if you need freedom and you want God's favour on your life, we're gonna sing this awesome song. Uh, what's it called, Reuben? Yeah, that's what I was Fresh wind of the Spirit of God. I'm gonna keep you, just to ask you to stay seated. But for those of you who know you need to make a decision today in regards to that, that area of holiness, you want to have an encounter with God, you wanna know God's presence on your life, then this is an opportunity. I'm gonna ask you to do one thing. I'm not gonna ask you to come up the front. I'm gonna ask you to stand where you are.
just if that's you, you're saying, Brent, I want, I'd love it if I could make a decision today in regards to the holiness track, in regards to maybe some things that I need to let go of, some things that I've felt bound up in, some things that maybe even God's been speaking to you about this morning that you know you need to go and do. You're standing in a, a, in a way that you're saying, I'm making a decision to do that today. I'm making a decision to forgive. I'm making a decision to let go of some things. I'm making a decision to let go of the bitterness. I'm making a decision not to hate. I'm making a decision not to be angry. I'm making a decision. I'm I'm making it of the Holy Spirit. You can just hum along, sing, uh, just quietly. And uh, while while we're in this moment, you can just have your eyes closed and just be contemplating. I just believe God is here. Holy Spirit is here wanting to anoint and empower you today to set you free from some stuff. I believe that the devil is very angry right now. Very angry. Angry at what's about to happen. Angry and don't, don't let him have his way. His, his voice might be louder than God's voice right now. Don't, don't let him get away with it. Greater. And you can stand and make a decision today that you choose to be holy because you know you want the presence of God and you need an encounter with Him. So you remain seated, but if you're choosing while we're singing this song, while we're singing this song, Fresh Wind, then at some point you may feel like you just want to stand as a declaration of this knowing of holiness that you know you need to walk in. Thank you, Lord. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.